Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Piedrico and Daniel Coca. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. Our guest today is Adrian Grant. Adrian is an entrepreneur with a passion for helping startups to succeed. He's enjoyed a decade-long career that spans product design, engineering, and venture capital, all with a unique ability to balance his expertise in both tech and business. As an entrepreneur, Adrian has built media for AI companies with customers spanning from Pepsi to Post Foods, including ventures that received backings from the likes of Comcast, Samsung, and DreamIt Ventures, amongst others. As an engineer, Adrian has been featured in publications from Forbes and PC Magazine to Black Enterprise and recognized by Apple for his work. Adrian's skills include full-stack hardware development, early-stage venture capital deal sourcing, seed fundraising, and product management and optimization. He has assisted over 100 startups with product design, strategy, and fundraising. These days, as many of us are pursuing our passions in parallel to careers and others are making a career out of their passions, this conversation with Adrian really dives into what it means to embody the multi-hyphenated, ever-evolving, creative, and generative entrepreneur that he is. Whether you are a single source income professional or you identify as a creative, as an investor, you'll be inspired by what Adrian has learned about staying true to himself across industries and across opportunities as he is diving into even more as one of the first clubhouse creators that is going to be featured in mid-May. In fact, Adrian's ability to be true to himself is the secret to his very impressive success. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's a real pleasure to have you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here, hopefully to provide some value to some listeners and viewers. And uh, yeah, excited. Yeah. So you're, you're going to fall into the category when we do our podcast, we'll have like more technical economic, like real estate investing episodes. And I do want to touch in on that a little bit with you on the venture capital side. And, and then we have these episodes that are, I, we call them like story episodes and like an entrepreneur's journey. And I think you fall very squarely like very squarely, I would say mostly in that category. And you have a, like, 
you, you know, we were talking about this in our pre-call, this idea of being multi-hyphenated. And so many of us are in this world and, and you just really live in that space. You live in that space of flow, in that space of constantly generating, constantly being creative. And in your story, even just looking at your LinkedIn and what you're up to these days is that you're, you seem to follow some kind of an intuitive, creative sense that's always bringing you the next opportunity and you, you just seem to go with it, which is not how most of us with a crystallized set of ideas of what life is supposed to be and who we're supposed to be operate. So I really want to touch on that with you today. Yeah, no, that, that sounds amazing. It's funny. It's like, as you're describing this person, I'm like, wait, who's, who's out of people like talking about? Like, <laughs> so like my, my story in a nutshell is one in which I think it all stems from like having ideas and wanting to put it out there in the world. And being in the fortunate position of coming from a third world country, whole immigrant story, and, you know, having friends and family members and parents that sacrificed so much so that I could work in tech and enjoy my days. And so that, that privilege and that blessing is something that, you know, keeps me kind of going that, you know, has been the catalyst behind all these arcs and pivots and stuff like that. So yeah, more than happy to dive in. I don't know if I should get my bio or wherever it is you want to start, but this is looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great place to start. What what I thought about when you just introduced yourself right now is this this immigrant story, and you know, from your perspective, having gone through it, because I, I think I, I think I'm right in saying this, and Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Fark, our partner and CEO, his family is an immigrant family as well. My family is an immigrant family, and. Anne's family, our head of underwriting, is an immigrant family oh, wow. <laughs> as well. Dan's a lot of sheep over there. And and so is Charles. So is Charles' family. So is Charles. Yeah. Uh, well, and so yeah, I'm the the lone white man at a private equity <laughs> shop. Never, never heard of before in history. <laughs> yeah. You're Dan's the, our you're just diversity hire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He is. He's our token white guy. It's really (laughs) awesome. Um, But, you know, I mean, there's and now there's all the statistics and there's all the data and there's like McKinsey and everybody's talking about the value of diversity. And I don't think we set out to do that on, on purpose at all. It's just you hire the best people, the people that are most aligned, you know, and there is so much alignment. I talk about this all the time. I talk about just like having met them a few years ago and it's just been like the, the, the most perfect you know, kind of manifested partnership I I could ever want. And so much of that has to do with an alignment of values. And like Adrian, I wonder from your perspective, like coming into a country that is all about opportunity and it's all about like make your own way, but it's not easy for everyone to make their own way. Not everybody starts at the same playing field. So, you know, what has been your experience in, in creating what you've created in your life from that perspective? Yeah, you know, it's funny, as, as you were just saying, it, it kind of brought me back to what you're saying in terms of like being multi-hyphenate. And I'm thinking like, why am I multi-hyphenate? And I think there's something too, and I assume this is all immigrants kind of share the story in the sense of like, you come to like a foreign land, and you, you have to fit, especially America, like you have to fit in. Like, you know, you especially when I first came here, I was around like seven, eight, or whatever the case may be. I'm originally from Jamaica. And, you know, when I came here, originally, you know, we spent time in New York and New Jersey and, you know, inner city areas. And I was different because I was a kid from Jamaica. Then parents worked really hard and we moved to the suburbs. And then I was a kid that came from like the inner city. So I was different then. Then of course, going to college where of course, you know, being black and at university like New York University is not like there's a plethora of folks out there that kind of look like me. And so I feel like that story of like being other and being different is what 
I, my assumption, at least this is my story, it kind of feels that like, okay, how do I kind of like showcase who I am, add value to the conversation, knowing that everyone else is going to view me as something that's different. And that ability to kind of adjust to these different kind of contexts in terms of like whether you're talking to it, whether it's you're different because you come from a different socioeconomic background, you're different because of the color of your skin, or you're different because like, I'm, you know, passionate about music and tech and things like that. And not everyone, most of my friends are, are folks like then, you know, ex-lawyers, VCs and stuff like that. So my personal passions and interests doesn't align with a, a bulk of folks, a, a bunch of folks in my phone. And so I feel like that, that, I don't know, that that immigrant, foreign, that ability to adapt in something that is, it's kind of been like a, a pro, definitely more so than a con. And I think that's kind of fueled, you know, the ability to kind of be multi-hyphenate. Yeah, I think that, you know, as, as you're speaking, what really just like comes through is, is an acceptance of who you are, where you are, you know, in that, let's call it a socioeconomic system or, or, or wherever you are, there's, there's a level of just accepting and knowing yourself that I think is like, is like at the, it's underneath how you show up in the world and what you're, you know, what you're willing to do. Like you said, you're like one of very few, maybe the only, a lot of, a lot of times. And that's, that's, that's a lonely place to be. I mean, how, how did you, how did you motivate or self-motivate or, or what was going on? And like, like, in your mind, even like emotionally to, to do that. Cause I feel like we can position ourselves to be on either side of that polarity if you want, right? Like, Oh, I'm over here. I'm alone. I'm different. Or I'm, I'm going to jump in. I don't care. What was your, you know, how did you approach that? Yeah. So this may be the first of many politically incorrect, insensitive things that hopefully will not get me canceled. And if it does, please blame Dan for inviting, <laughs> and out of here for inviting me. This not, these are my personal thoughts. But in a sense, I think what really, the first thing that sticks out to me is the, again, coming here and, you know, I forgot, in elementary school and being teased, like literally just being teased and bullied from, from sounding different. My accent was so thick. I got placed in ESL, even though I spoke English, actually the Queens English, because Jamaica was once a colony of Britain. And yeah, being teased and like, you know, being like made fun of and then not wanting to have that feeling and wanting to fit in. And, you know, you know, we couldn't have my you know, again, immigrant background, like we weren't buying the fancy clothes, not even fancy, just like even things like a Jansport backpack. It's like fancy for, for my family, you know, as we were kind of growing up and that feeling of wanting to fit in and wanting to, you know, not be in the butt of jokes is really, it, it's what fueled me to like go out and get under the table jobs. I could, my parents weren't going to buy me fancy Nike sneakers and Timberland boots and Tommy Hilfiger. Yes, I'm dating myself. I'm very old, but these were the fashion, many, actually now maybe in Vogue, I don't know, things are all kind of cyclical, but essentially, you know, my back, my family wasn't going to spend a lot of money to buy these things that a lot of Americans took for granted. And I wanted them because I wanted to fit in and I thought it were cool. And so I had to go get a job. And so, yeah, so I, I don't even know if that's even possible now to work on it. Well, as a kid working on the table, now it seems like you're violating some kind of state or federal law, but uh, many, many moons ago, yeah, was work jobs under the table. And since the age of Oh, gosh, I, I can't even remember, but I've been working at least one or two jobs since before teenager. And uh, I think that's what you see probably reflected my LinkedIn profile of like a variety of different things and venture firm here and startup here is just that hustle mentality and building is, I don't know, it's in, I don't know, it's kind of fueled me. It's like I, you worked to get money to provide you things that you like. You know, I'm not someone that's beholden to money. I, you know, I don't necessarily 
chasing money, but you know, it allows you to, to get things that you like. And so I don't know, that's really been the catalyst for me in terms of like, yeah, not wanting to be feeling like other wanting to fit in and figuring out ways to fit in. And that's also what's, you know, enabled me to develop my personality, you know, not necessarily being the tallest person in the room or, you know, the, the, the most prettiest person in the room, but like people like people that could tell jokes and make people laugh and figuring out ways to incorporate that and be more outgoing as someone that's naturally kind of shy. And, you know, these are all things that, you know, at one point would really you know, negatives for me and brought me down. And I thought, you know, these are things that, you know, made me less. And then as I got older and, you know, getting out more in the world, I realized it's actually more positive than a negative. So. Yeah, I under, I understand that when you said the bullying, I remember, I remember going to school and I had Nutella sandwiches and kids would make so much fun of me. And I'm just like, you don't even know what you're missing out on. I get to eat chocolate, (laughs) chocolate for lunch. And you're yeah. eating some kind of ham. I don't know what you're eating. I'm eating my Nutella sandwiches, but, and it, it, it leaves you very much. I recognize that also in myself of like wanting to fit in and, and how much of ourselves we put aside to, to do that. Right. And, and, and it kind of makes me think too, about the career choices that we make. Like we, we think that that is the thing that we have to do. And, and I know at least for me, like dating myself as well, like, you know, a child of the eighties and like a teen in the nineties, it's like, what are your job choices right now? Right? Like there weren't that many, or it wasn't as open as it is today. And so you kind of follow these few paths and then you know, at some point you kind of wake up and you say, hold on a second. I have more choice. I have more opportunity. I have, I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions. And you start taking this path, which I think, you know, some people are born entrepreneurs and other ones kind of figure it out along the way. And then like really carve, like carve their own path. And what you said about not being so focused on, you know, on the money, that is a very, that's like a very common thing to hear and just following your creativity. And, now you're, now you're in venture capital. How did you, how did you arrive in this world of, of venture capital so naturally? Yeah. And so it's funny. So I started my career off in the ed tech space. Then I transitioned over to big media. I was over at Viacom for well, BT, a subsidiary Vi- Viacom for a while. In the midst of doing this, I'm, you know, nights and weekends, tinkering, building little project. I taught myself how to, how to kind of code. And in the midst of doing that, we, you know, we, we built something, got a little bit of traction and we got a term sheet, you know, someone wanted to invest in us, a group, group of angels, but the terms, even, even as someone that wasn't as educated about the concept as I was, I knew they were a bit, they were a bit heavy handed. And so we ended up walking away. And this is at a time when, you know, I'm in my, what's that? mid to late 20s, you know, I decided to quit my job, work full time on my startup and, you know, walking away from something. And, you know, after I was living home, commuting two hours back into the city, you know, my peers at this point, you know, some of them are, are purchasing their first homes, they're getting married, some of them are beginning, beginning to become managers. And so it's like, here I am, like in the spot of like, you know, trying to build something, someone offers the the most, it was 250K, I think for, for like half the business, right? Which I knew it was like, it's a bit much. And so, but you have to keep in mind for that, for someone like myself, there's no one in my family has never seen a check that size ever, right? And so like, I, to this day, I haven't even told my mom that story because she would just be like, what? Someone gave you, and you said no? She'd just be like, flip out, right? But to get to how I got into venture. So as we got that horrible term, should we walked away and I was just like, it's probably a bad idea, but I need to live with myself. I started looking into venture opportunities and how to kind of get into the field. And, you know, me, you know, so I saw a bunch of different job applications and stuff like that. And I saw a post for someone looking for a general manager. At this point, this firm, they're in the process of having several companies in the process of going public. 
And so they were looking for someone that kind of could help build and scale their company. Someone had previous startup experience. Keep in mind, my background is like a little bit of software engineering. You know, I built a little, you know, a little, little prototype of a little tool, worked at BT for a while. So there's nothing there that screamed startup guy, Google, Harvard, Stanford, you know, blue hoodie. There's nothing in that screamed that. But I was like, you know what? Let me just apply. Why not? What is the worst thing that could happen? And I met with associates and the partners. And long story short, they're like, hey, we all like you. Clearly, you're unqualified for this position, but if you want, you could come here, join us for like a month as an intern, and and I was like, of course, because for me, what I wanted to get out of it was is essentially learning the business, understanding what term sheets are and prorata and, you know, ride-alongs and all these different things that like, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm just on TechCrunch, and at that point, Mashable was really popular, and so how I got into venture was from, was IA Ventures, was, which was to this day, some of the greatest folks in venture, they're awesome folks, and I think I can't tell you what they saw that made them want to offer me an internship, which led to me staying there for way more than a month and becoming a full-time employee and learning the business. I can't, I can't tell you what they saw or how I got in, but I think it's something too. again, going back to background and being able to figure stuff out and being the odd person out and being able to communicate like, Hey, I, I was very transparent. Like, I don't know, you know, startups or business. And I've only been like, full-time player these big old tech companies but like I'm incredibly passionate about it and I think that's what they saw in terms of my ability to like build things and network and like it's not like I had a pedigree or like I got a warm intro it was just yeah I guess me and yeah so again like I, I wish it was like a secret sauce because I get this question you know so many folks now I'm so far along now in my career where I talk with a bunch of college students folks and folks my age is trying to transition into venture and they're always looking for like the secret combination but like I it's I think from what I've seen and from what I've experienced is that it's really it's really this tech feels really one which you can really ascertain who's in it for the money who purely views this as an opportunity to like I don't know double triple whatever their personal income is and who are passionate about it and me personally I, I think people that are passionate about it get a little bit further along because you know MBAs are you know dime a dozen you could get Harvard MBAs, Warren MBAs, whatever the case may be, and, you know, fill up your, your portfolio, I mean, your, your investment team like that. But I feel there's something to be said about folks that are passionate and able to kind of wiggle their way in. And that's why you see some firms, you'll have folks that have like, I don't know, liberal arts background or coming from music industry or like folks that are coming from industries that have nothing to do with finance, but able to finagle their way in and finagle their way in. And I think that's something to the testament about them being able to communicate their passion. And, I, and I've hired people off that too, personally too. So I don't know, for whatever that's worth, I think passion a lot of time it speaks a lot louder than your resume or your LinkedIn. So I'll, I'll say this on, on my behalf and you know, this Adrian, like there was a period where I was a young lawyer wanted to get into early stage companies. And I remember going to this, this panel at general assembly, right. In, in Flatiron, where it was a bunch of ex lawyers turned venture capitalists telling their story. Right. And I thought, awesome. Like, here's my path. And then I heard every single person speak and they went from lawyer at a firm to in-house counsel to general counsel to something happened. And like 25 years later, now I'm in venture capital. And for me, that was the wake up moment, right? Like you either got to do it or, you know, you're going to be stuck here watching other people do it. Yeah. And that's why I think you and I have become such good friends over the years. Like when I think about this like fearless serial entrepreneur, like you're one of the people that, that comes to mind. And so you know, my question for you is really like, you know, how, how do you do it so fearlessly, right? Like, what's, what's that mentality like? Again, this is probably going to sound crazy to a lot of folks, but like, I've, I've, I've 
I speak so frequently with folks that are at, you know, very lucrative jobs, managers at Google, name big tech company here. And their thing is that like, they want to do something else, but they can't leave because it was the golden handcuffs, I believe is the expression, right? Like, so, you know, maybe they have a home and like Google plays Google or X company or big firm, whatever the case may be, pays them so well. They're not necessarily passionate about the job, but they can't switch over because they're so used to having so much and their bills being paid for and everything else like that. And, you know, my background, I don't make it seem like we had it rough. We did not have it rough. I, you know, I've been fortunate in the unfortunate position of seeing people had it a lot rougher than we had, but the sense of like, I know what starting from zero is and I don't have a fear of that. Like I, I put I put, it, put it in context like this, the worst neighborhoods I've seen and been to in America, they all have running water. I've never been to a place that didn't have running water. I mean, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure there's places, rural areas, whatever that doesn't have running water. I'm sure it, it exists. But all that to say, like the places where I've been to and I've grown and I've slept and I've been to, that's not the case, right? Or even like electricity being like a constant thing or even the internet, right? And so that context, which again, like growing up, like it didn't seem like, oh, I'm learning about like, I don't know, I'm learning about having conviction in myself and I'm learning gumption. Like I didn't think of it like that, but like seeing that, like that's what's powered me. Like, okay, worst case scenario, start from working on fails. Okay. Like- I would figure out how to get a job someplace like and that's what's been fueling and inspiring me, especially given the fact that, uh, yeah, like worst case scenario, this country's just going to sound sappy, but like this country really is great, right? Like the opportunities provided for myself and my family members, it is beyond what is provided, you know, it's beyond what's available in, in, in elsewhere. And so I, I know it's, it's, it's cool to say like, oh, this country is great. And obviously just things that can be improved, but like I'm one of those people who's like, I put it like this. So when we first came here, my mom bought this flag, which is going to sound crazy. It said, America, love it or leave it. And like, that was always like her mantra. It's like, this is like the greatest place. Like, yes, we, you know, they, my parents came in, they had some of them had some education, they had to take like, you know, lower paying jobs, whatever the case may be, but like they worked hard, right? Because it provided them opportunities and like to send us all three of us to college, which was like, again, very normal thing for America, but in other countries, that's not necessarily the case. And so that context of like seeing less and knowing what zero kind of looks like and being comfortable going back there, it's, that's what kind of inspires me. Cause it's like, oh, start doesn't work. Like, okay, like it's not, I don't know. It's not like the night, it's not the end of day. And so just to put a cap on it, the reason why I started with the whole golden handcuffs thing is that I feel that we're so used to having everything, right? You know, like our our Netflix, our, you know, fancy phones and all that kind of stuff like that. And the, the fear of losing that I feel is such a strong motivator for people. And that's why they stay in jobs and career fields that they don't like. And, you know, it's, it's, that's their life choice. But for someone like myself, it's like, I seen my parents both work two full-time jobs. Right. And like, you know, my friends, you know, a lot of them were from single family homes and they thought that was the case for me. Cause we would always just be by ourselves or like one parent on the end, but like I grew up with both parents. It's just that they worked. And so, that context is why I have no qualms with putting out their ideas and startups and pitching investors and getting told no to my face a million different times because it's not the first time I was told no and it's not going to be the last time it's not going to stop you know my passion and ability to create because I feel like my parents put in a lot of work so I could get this opportunity and it'd be a shame for me to spend my days doing something I don't like because they had to do that. So. And, you, and you had a super savvy lawyer who gave you a ton of free legal advice. That is also true. <laughs> That is also to Daniel Coca Esquire. But I remember when I joined Alpha and what I didn't know at the time was how little you and Fark 
were essentially paying yourselves at that time because it was still so much of of a startup and you went from your high paying like corporate lawyer job to basically like be paid less than you know on an annualized basis i think minimum wage which is extremely brave and i mean we've obviously like built alpha up so much in the past few years but i just wonder if you would want to like speak to that cuz you don't often and it's really it's really impressive yeah, I mean, listen, if you, you talk to my father, he'll, he'll t- still tell you, like, I don't know what my son is thinking, right? Because, <laughs> you know, neither of my parents went to college. And like, you know, my, my grandparents were the first ones to move here from Italy. And, you know, they grew up in a, a very kind of urban, poor area and just wasn't an option for, for either of my parents, really. And they stressed education so hard to us, right? And, like when I was in eighth grade, I was talking about, I'm going to be a lawyer. Right. And like, wow. and, and my younger brother was, I'm going to be a doctor. And like, you know, now we're a lawyer and a doctor. Right. And it's because our parents like really, really drove us there. And so when I was 27 and started like kind of thinking for myself and said, Hey, I'm going to leave this job where I'm making like, you know, mid six figures to start something and basically pay myself nothing indefinitely like it was met with a lot of resistance, you know, internally. And it was, it was a hard thing to get over, but, you know, in my heart, I knew that the things that I valued, whether it just be autonomy or, you know, feeling like I was having a direct impact on the work I was doing, building a team, as opposed to just kind of being a a cog in the wheel and, and playing the game. And, you know, Adrian knows me from, you know, Adrian and I met when I was very much the like, Oh yeah. <laughs> New York City lawyer is great. Yeah, great. and 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 now you know, thank God we're not sharing the video. You know, it's 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 a different world. And it, for me, the the thing I always tell people is that despite all of the uncertainty that existed, I had never been happier in my life. And for yeah. me, that's what made all the difference. And like Adrian, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like he's a huge part of the reason why I made the jump. Like when I was talking about, you know, should should I kind of join with these guys at Alpha? you know, should, should I make this move? And like, we kind of sat down and had this conversation and it's, it's a big part of the reason why I kind of got in your team and there are no guarantees. Right. But if, you know, you don't come from inherited wealth, whatever that may mean to, to everyone broadly, you, you either make it yourself or, you know, you spend a lifetime making money for other people, you know, living a life for other people. And, and that just like, didn't work for me. And, and maybe that's a generational thing as well. Like just you know, a, a sense of like entitlement, I'm entitled to follow my dreams. But like, you know, I, I feel that way. And like, sometimes like my parents, like they didn't feel that way, right? My dad felt like his job was to have his two jobs to make money for the family to do everything he could to make sure both his kids got an education. And that was his life goal. And that allowed me and my brother to actually go out and try to do what what we wanted to do, right. And so like to Adrian's point earlier, you always have to look back and like, be very aware and respectful of the fact that there are a lot of people who gave up on their own dreams so that, you know, you could do what you do. And, and that's a really important part of, of how I frame, you know, really every day. Yeah. Well, I really, like, I'm so glad you shared that. I think we don't like really often share like our, like our stories so much on here. And it's, it's amazing because you and Adrian, obviously like your stories intertwine so much because, you know, you were part parcel of each other's, you know, of each other's journey. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is what it's all about, right. Is just being able to like find other people like on the path too. And, and we, 
we lose people along the way often, right? If people don't really align or they don't support. And that's like the, you know, sometimes you can't really get rid of your family if they're not supportive, but you have to like work around it. But then there are other people like, I wonder, you know, Adrian, in, in your experience, like, did you, did you have, as you grew, did you experience people who resisted your success? If you want to call it success or your growth. And did you, you know, did you like lose people in your life and how, like, how did you deal with that? Cause I think for a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of people who go to make a leap, right. The, the, one of the biggest fears is who are you going to lose when you make that, make that leap? Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could definitely share a story about that. It's funny because it's, it's all coming full circle in NYU, you know, going to New York city, big city, you know, first time on campus autonomy, whatever the case may be. I went nuts, absolutely nuts dorm, dorm parties. And we escalated to th- like renting out places. This is pre Airbnb and like throwing parties and stuff like that. So it was great. We were making money, having fun parties, et cetera, et cetera. Almost funked out of college. Right. And so you can imagine, you know, you know, again, immigrant parents and them getting a letter saying, wait, we're paying tens of thousands of dollars to Sally Mae and you're almost funking out. Like it was almost like they're like, are you suicidal or something? Like, you, you know, you can't come back here without a degree. Right. And so we put together like a youth group to help ourselves and other you know kids to get acclimated, especially at, at Stern, which is the uh, undergraduate business. Well, the business school at, at NYU, help them get acclimated, especially if you're a, a first generation college student, you're a student of color. There wasn't really initiatives and programming for us kind of bias. And so we created a program. We pitched university for it they gave us funding we weren't a club we were actually a dean i think it was a dean's initiative so that was like my first kind of entrepreneurial experience so we went from throwing parties almost flunking out to like winning a bunch of awards including the highest awards you can win at a university at nyu and so i'm like i'm getting to answer your question and so the reason why this stands out to me is that i was just doing it we were having fun whatever the case may be helping kids getting people internships bringing in speakers and a friend sent me a really you know he called me up and gave me a really nasty phone call and I and, and and I won't go into details but essentially like after the phone call I realized like wow this person's like jealous of me and I was like why would he be jealous like there's nothing I have like this I don't have any I don't, it's not like I have money or like any it's, but I it was my first realization that for some people like even a small thing like a little club where we get together and eat pizza and talk about what it's like on campus for some people that's like a big deal. And that was a really big, my first awakening as to, you know, being conscious of like, some people may view what it is that you're doing and not necessarily, you know, be a supporter, even though this was someone else, my friend and stuff like that. And the reason this is so airily funny is that yesterday we had, there's the organization still around. It's about approaching, I don't know, 18 years or 17 years. Like, don't call me on that. An institution, I, I never, that's the longest running thing that I've built that's still standing and it's generated hundreds if if yeah definitely hundreds of, of college kids help people get internships help people get full-time jobs we've had several marriages come through the program and so i was just sharing the story with them yesterday and that you have to be mindful of folks and even though you may think you may not have stuff going for you you never know and even with the recent clubhouse announcement you know clubhouse picking up this little show idea like i've seen positive stuff i've seen negative stuff and i'm thankful now if that first experience way 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 back when in college and getting that nasty phone call because it really kind of opened my eyes to kind of like grow a thick skin because i thought hey we're helping people why would someone be against that but you never know and so i know that's what kind of fueled uh, a lot of me and i I think one of the things that we connected on the the pre-call out of here i mentioned like i try not to do a lot of this like 
chatting about myself and stuff like that. I don't per personally find it interesting to talk about my background and stuff like that. Because what I like to do with, if you follow me on social media at Adrian Grant or on Clubhouse at Adrian Grant there too, you notice a lot of stuff I do is like entertain. I like to do like informational and entertaining. I like to bring levity, especially if I'm doing anything on Clubhouse or any like pot, the podcasts I've done and vlogs and stuff. I try to like, like put a smile on people's faces and like that's what I use my platform for like people have asked me come on and talk about agent what's your spirits like building startups or working in venture or what was it like working in private equity for that while and pitching VCs and like I don't have a desire to talk about that but if it's something more fun or entertaining or something that we could actually enlighten and lift people up I'm all about that because I feel like life is just so short and I try to use my little mini platforms to kind of put stuff out there positive vibes and stuff like that so again like again like when clubhouse first started up we you know a bunch of tech vc people got access to it obviously because we're all in <laughs> the business of knowing what's latest and greatest and everyone was doing rooms around gross margins and mrr and cac and you know you know not how things qsbs around like tax loopholes and stuff like that and, you know i'd get pinged in and people wanted to chime in and i could speak about that i'm educated about it i've worked in the field, I can speak about it, but I have very little desire for it. I am much more interested in like, I use Clubhouse to like play music and like interview artists and like talk about creators. Like I find that a lot more interesting because I, the feedback I've already received, people saying like, oh, thank you. They've learned something or they had fun. Like that to me is way much more uh, a good, a better use of my time than being another pundit talking about uh, big tech and, and all this other stuff that everyone, I don't know, is in, in the zeitgeist. I don't know. Hopefully I'm making sense, but essentially in a nutshell, yeah, it's just being, you know, being your full self and being cognizant that some folks, even whatever modicum of success you may have, some folks may view that in a negative light and I don't know, you can't please everyone. So I just try to please who I can and the other folks that fall by the wayside, it is kind of what it is. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great story. And it's a great story because it turns into this like eight, you know, like you're saying 17 or 18 years now that this like you built something that is so long lasting, which is amazing. And it serves other people. And, you know, the, I, I feel like there's like two really big things there in, in what you said and, and, and how I, how I'm perceiving you as who I'm perceiving you to be is, is really you're rooted in your genuine self. I'll call like your authenticity, right? I think that word gets overused, but like you're so genuine and, and you're genuine about everything that you do. That's that multi-hyphenated, like in, and those are the boxes we most need to break out of because we can't just be one box. Like we can't just be, I call it an acceptable identity. Like I'm my, like my ego be like, here's my acceptable identity to my parents. Here's my acceptable identity to like this person or that situation. And like, we're just, we're like probably driving ourselves crazy in our heads instead of just opening up and saying, this is all of me. And in my experience, at least the more I've done that, the more it's almost like permissive to other people to open up and be a little yeah. bit more of themselves. And then all of a sudden it's like, it is generative. There's all this creativity and there's all this, like you're speaking to each other and you're creating things together and it just feels more natural and more fun. And there's better results from being able to be like a hundred percent of, of who you are. And I think you're like, just like a great example um, of that, clearly, I mean, I, you're doing it all. Well, well thank you for that. And I, it definitely was something that I, I stumbled upon. I definitely didn't start my career out saying, oh, let me be outspoken about my background. It's funny you're saying, you know, going to school, eating Nutella. It reminds me like, so for me, like I was going to school eating things like goat and all sorts of different ethnic foods that 
very pungent. So you could imagine the looks and stares and oohs and ahs I got as people were eating their uh, Lunchables. And here I am with like rice and beans and stuff like that. And so, yeah, but all that say, I think that the eye-opening thing to me in terms of like bringing your whole self, well, one of the things that I kind of stumbled upon is, you know, when I first joined Twitter, like I, you know, I've, like everyone else here and probably all listeners, or always on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a professional, you know, you know, our platform. So I assumed, you know, and I'm part of tech Twitter. So I assume, you know, I follow a bunch of VCs, et cetera. So I was like, oh, I should do that too. Like I should talk about business stuff, share business articles and trends and things of that nature. And then I started looking at my, I did that for a while. I started looking at my page, my, my profile. I was like, this is really boring. It's not really interesting. I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And like, if people don't follow, or if I don't get any, I don't, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to be myself. So I started putting up incredibly graphic and explicit explicit rap lyrics songs different memes things that i would just look i like to look on my page and laugh <laughs> i like to go back on my page and make sure like this is something like i would actually follow and as i started doing that like i started noticing like people i was trying to maybe investors i was trying to pitch maybe it was uh potential uh, partners i was trying to partner up with like people would start following me and i was like how is this how is this possible? Like, it's not like I'm, I thought like the, the, the thing was to do like content marketing and here's 10 ways to like pitch investors. I thought that was the angle. And then I just realized that like, I don't know, like, it, and it's been a boon to me in terms of like me being myself on social media and transferring Twitter to, to LinkedIn, to Clubhouse. And it's enabled me to get consulting gigs and full-time gigs. And I've met so many different investors in my in my business off these platforms. And it, 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 it really enables it to life to be easier, especially for, you know, for myself as a Black person, the whole thing around context switching, which is that the way, you know, Black people speak to other Black people, the way Black people in the workforce, much less if you're an entrepreneur, a Black entrepreneur pitching a VC, just so many different nuances and things you have to be mindful of. And the thing that I I have done and I'm trying to do, do even better of is just be myself because my day-to-day is spent sometimes I'm talking to VCs, now I'm talking to creators, now I'm talking to like, you know, artists and things like that because of some of the clubhouse stuff we've been working on been going really, really kind of well. And I try to just be myself. So I'm not trying to like be like some super person here or some crazy person over here. It just makes life a lot easier. And obviously there's drawbacks to that. Maybe not every, you know, if you're in a career field where they're expecting you to be buttoned up and you come in with some crazy beard and crazy hairstyle. I won't look at who or point fingers as to who I'm referring to. You know, that may be, you know, that, that you, you, you may not be open and certain, welcomed in certain places. But I think one of the beauties of working in tech and in ventures that I feel it's, it's a bit, at least from, from my experience, it is a bit like welcoming in the sense of like, you know, if you're different or if you're other, I mean, I think it's, it feels a little bit more open than other places. And that's not to say that tech is inclusive or or diversity and inclusion isn't an issue in tech. It certainly is. And it's, that's not to say that, you know, folks of diverse backgrounds are getting the same uh, venture dollars as, as others, because that's not the case. But I feel like at least my personal experience has been being myself and, you know, communicating that to potential investors and partners and have folks fall off. And the, the folks that gravitate towards you it just makes it more meaningful in conversations because like, they know it's you and it's not like a, a polished up version of me. It's just who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think everything you do also comes off very genuine, you know, in a way that a lot of people try to come off that way. But like, when I think about like the things that you and I have, have done together, like dinners, we've gone to, you know, events, like you're always like, Hey, let me loop you into this mentoring thing at WeWork. 
come in and do some office hours for some startups, right? Come meet me at this drinks for this venture group. And hey, meet these like three guys in their 20s who are thinking about different things. And like, maybe you can intro them to someone. And it's, it's never, you know, self-serving or it was never self-serving. It was never, hey, I'm trying to, you know, network my way to some place. It's always like, let me help everyone around you. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, I, I've always like admired about you. And so, yeah, man, kudos to you. We're, we're excited to have you on here to talk more about it. Yeah. It's just uh, a mentor of mine once said, and this goes back to like how I got into venture. He uh, gave me some really good feedback that I take with me every day. And he essentially told me that my job, my role, and this is not necessarily in, in venture specific, but he's just like in life is just about adding value. Like whatever circle you're in is just about adding value. And then the universe will kind of pay it back in, in and of itself. And like, again, I'm butchering what he says, but like that, I, I, I remember that moment, like it was like yesterday. And that's something that's transpired to me. And that's why, you know, mentor tech stars, mentor for you to different kind of places. It's just helping folks out. And I feel that, you know, if, if times got tough, hopefully I have a few folks that have helped that is willing to maybe put in a kind word if I'm looking for a job or whatever the case may kind of be. But yeah, letting the universe take, take care of itself and not being so, tra- I feel like it's very easy in our world to be transactional. Like it's so easy. Like that's the easiest thing. It's like, oh, you're trying to do this. Okay, let me make that connection. Or, oh, you want this? It's X amount of dollars for whatever the case may be. And I get it. There's people that do that, and that's I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's their life. But that's just not my personality. I don't live like that. Like, if it's something I could help with, I'll do it. You know what I mean? I can't tell how many times people's like, oh, you should take a piece of this, or how much? I'm like, dude, like it doesn't. That's not how it works. Like, if I can help, I'm gonna help. You know what I mean? It's not. I'm not mother. <laughs> I'm very. I, I want to be very careful. I don't come across as like trying to be like Mother Teresa. Like there's way too many positive things. Like I'm also like, I was going to say something negative about myself, but I'm not going to do that either because this is being recorded. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, just being helpful to people. It's not like you don't need to be like a, a saint to do that. It's just, it's helpful for business, right? And it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think our business is one of which it's all about relationships, right? At the end of the day, it's all about relationships. I've seen people raise money based solely off the relationships not because of their traction, not because of their pedigree, not because of like they hired a rock star team. It's solely based off their relationships, right? And so I've seen pe- uh, people raise capital of that. I've seen acquisitions happen like that. And so, you know, I think there's something to be said around, you know, adding value to folks and being helpful and being transparent. If you can't help or you can't do anything, just being outspoken about that. And so, I don't know, for better or for worse, it's gotten me here. And I don't plan on changing that anytime soon. And because I, try to do that and hope, and hope other people do that for me too as well. And I'm a big believer in the universe and the creator. And I feel that, you know, what you put out there, it's a big reason why I try to evoke positivity as much as I can. It's like, I feel like what you put out, you're going to get back. And so I'm not going to be the one that's going to be trying to tear down a startup or a venture firm. And also I try not to participate in stuff like that, that negative stuff, because I don't think it's uh, conducive to anything, but if there's anything positive or uplifting, I'm all about it, especially if it involves me using my platform. Yeah. And I think that just described how we framed you as genuine, <laughs> everything, yeah. you know, everything you just said. And so I, I'm going off of that would love to hear, this is what we always do with all of our guests at the end of the, at the episode really is to ask you, you know, what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is being able to do what you want to do and have fun doing it. And then I'd be like, I feel wealthy now, but I don't feel wealthy now. I feel like there's there, that's definitely a part of it, the ability to kind of do what you kind of want, which I'm very thankful and appreciative. And I wake up every day and I thank my creator for that because, you know, again, you know, I it didn't I don't come from people with those means. 
but I feel like wealth obviously is ability to. Now that I'm speaking, now I think I, I think I have a good answer for you. I, I think wealth is not only being able to kind of live a life that you would like, but provide for others similar opportunities. And I think that's why maybe I don't I wouldn't classify myself as being the cliche because I I don't have the means yet to, you know, I would love to be able to invest in other people. I'd love to be able to invest in other people's businesses. And I have all sorts of different creative ideas that hopefully you'll see on Clubhouse and a few other different platforms. But I feel like that's how I would define wealth. And that's what keeps me up and motivated is to get to a point where not only I can continue to do these creative kind of pursuits and and business endeavors, but help others, you know what I mean? And financially help others because, you know, I feel like that's just a big component you know, it's not just waking up and liking what you do, but it's also like having the financial means to like, oh yeah, that is a great idea. You should do that. Or, oh yeah, you know that even though you're maybe have golden handcuffs now, here's maybe some little bit of capital so you can switch over and work on that social impact thing that you've been t- tinkering on or whatever the case may kind of be. And so that's how I define it. But I also feel too like, I'm sorry for being long-winded, but wealth, I feel like, and I know it's a very American thing, you know, we one of you know fame and wealth and these are things that we kind of strive for and attain for but like personally i don't really i don't know that stuff doesn't really motivate me in terms of like oh my gosh i can't wait till i get my first 10 million like <laughs> those thoughts never really cross my mind it's more about like i don't know it's just having fun and you know work you know meeting folks like dan and, and you out of here and like making connections and going through life and you never know what may happen again like this program we put together in our dorm room you know, <laughs> as a way to figure out not to flunk out. I never thought it would be here 15 plus years later and people would, you know, getting jobs and like there's judges now that came through the program and investment bankers, right? And like now that's like our little mini network, right? Like I never thought that. And I think that that little seed, fun, ironically, the name, the name of the organization is called Seed, but that seed I take with me and all these different things is just like, just plant them, right? And just spread these things out, see where it kind of grows and not necessarily in pursuit of a certain like, you know, bottom line or bank account statement, even though that would be nice, but more so in pursuit of like being able to continue to be creative and help others be creative and help push the world forward and, and society forward. And yeah, that's what I feel like. What else are we here for besides that? Well, we are, the world is so grateful for you, for being here, for like just being who you are and doing what you do. It's so refreshing to hear and it's encouraging. And I'm really glad that you take that stance of focusing your attention on what is that, that which you want, right? Cause if we're always focusing on what I don't want or what's negative, then that's where our focus goes instead of focusing on like, how can I have more of what feels good of what brings me joy of, of what is of service. And that will grow just like you said, like the seed. So thank you so much for being with us today for, for everything. This has been a really fun and inspiring conversation. And I know a lot of people are, they're going to be uplifted. Like I really feel that because like, I feel uplifted after this conversation. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And if there's anyone listening that would love to reach out to me, let me know. It's adrian at adriangrant.org. So that's A-D-R-I-A-N at adriangrant.org. And this is, you know, thanks again for such kind words out of here. It's funny, like this, you just remind me of exactly why I don't like doing this because like spending so much time talking about myself is very weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I've got, I'm someone that, you know, I, I, I'm naturally confident, so I don't need to feel anymore. And like just told myself, it feels very like humble bragging, which just feels very like 
Huey, but I, I hope it helps other folks out there. And if I could be of help, if anyone's, so I, I actively, you know, deal source work with a variety of different firms, including the fund.vc, awesome folks based in the city. So if you're a startup or entrepreneur looking to raise capital, uh, especially if you're at pre seed stage, definitely kind of reach out to me. And yeah, if, if I don't know, if you, any ways else I could help, let me know at Adrian Grant on Twitter. And if I can help, I'll let you know. And if I can't, I'll let you know even faster. <laughs> And on Clubhouse, because you have a show there, you're one of the the first batch of original programming. So when you were talking about Clubhouse for people who are listening, that's what Adrian was referring to. It was just announced um, a couple of days ago, so early May. That's right. That's right. So yeah, Clubhouse are doing, it's almost like how like the TV networks will do like their fall lineup or whatever the case may yeah. be. This is their their first instance of doing like original programming. And so yeah, we're, we're doing this show called The Lobby, which is a, a game show, AI driven trivia type of thing. To be honest with you, I don't know the particulars of it. I didn't, I did, I did not create it. I did not produce it. It's something that created itself. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with the world. It's something that I'm pretty sure no one has ever seen on social media, much less a social audio platform. And why I, what I was saying was in terms of the clubhouse, the, the name of the show is called The Lobby. I'm pretty sure it's the first time it's ever been done in terms of like how we're thinking about our AI and gaming. And the reason why I'm so passionate about it is that it, it could go either two ways. It's either gonna be massively unsuccessful or massively successful. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with the world and seeing where it goes. Well, I'm really excited to follow along and, and share in, in the success, no matter how it goes. So thanks again so much, Adrian. And uh, I look forward to staying connected on all these, all these platforms. So it's such a pleasure to have you. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.